So episode 18? 18. There we are. We can fuck the episode now. Legally. We can fuck this show. <laughs> like we have for the previous 17. Yeah, like, you know. Now we're, we're, it's, it's not questionable now. All right, yeah. There's, there's no... It was a nightclub. She was dressed up. Excuse. No. It's done. It's... The show can vote. This is right. This is right. What? Apparently not for, you know, Kevin Rudd. But... No. <laughs> Someone has to run. So, yeah, they said you'd never make it. I think I've said that numerous times on, on podcasts. Probably. But um, they were wrong. We say it every episode. Yeah. We say, we, <laughs> next, next, next time, we never thought we'd get to episode 19. Yeah. And then we were like, holy shit, episode 20, only one more, and then it's legal to drink in America. And that was, that was an unfortunate. I was waiting for you to say something, so I thought, oh, good time to take a drink. Nathan's going to jump in and say something. Yeah, you know? no. no. Not- you know, so now we have me sloping and dead air. It's been a while since been. We've, we've been here. It's been oh. a little while, so we're probably going to be a bit rusty. Yeah, there's well, things that we're going to forget. Who gets, so, who gets tied up first? Yeah. So welcome to Jane's Island, Bob. Get old. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm completely unprepared for this show. Yeah, it has been a while. Talk about um, life getting in the way. Yeah, I, I have to. I, I will give an apology to our our valued listeners. I'm a whore. Yep. So when things come up that I can make money from, I go and do them. Uh-huh. If you don't like that, if you're if you're jonesing for some pricks action on a more regular basis, give me money. Yeah, pay us. Pay us. Pay us. Yeah, Specifically but... him, apparently. <laughs> I could go fuck myself. <laughs> apparently the whore across the room, the whore of Babylon, <laughs> which is, you know, fucking pay me. Oh, okay. Well, I'll just... That's a pay us. Pay us, yeah. Pay, pay us. Pay us. That'd be all right. Could you imagine, like, charging people, like, a dollar for a pot? Not the bad way to pay it. Well, we'd make, like, five bucks. Yeah. But in total. Yeah. <laughs> but could you imagine, like, I, there are some podcasts out there I'd pay a buck for. Pollack tried. I do. He, failed? He no. tried and tried, failed. Know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. look, maybe maybe people, I don't know, because everyone gets in their ass about Entitled. It. Yeah, yeah, fucking, it's free, you know, and it's like, like people, when people complain that their, their torrent site crashed or something, it's like, yeah, um, yeah no, like, you're not so entitled. So the stuff that you're getting illegally oh, yeah. for free yeah. is somehow slightly more difficult for you now? Yeah. Yeah, suck a dick. Pretty much, yeah. So, um, here we are, but episode... Still, Demonoid, what the fuck? Oh, fuck, they, they, that had to be one of the best sites, just... I don't know. I loved it. I spent hours and hours and hours every day just going, oh, I didn't want that before. Download. <laughs> and still don't know what to do with it. Yeah. So I have a hard, hard, hard drives crash. Because <laughs> oh. they're just filled with shit. Just chockers with never crap. Need. Yeah. You know, because mm. one day I might want to watch, you know, 75 of the best Israeli cinema <laughs> classics of all time. I did download um, the complete Silverhawks. And because I thought, oh, I remember that cartoon. It was awesome. I watched half the first episode. Yet I still, for reasons unknown, won't delete it. Should we jump straight into news? We shall.
so in keeping with the tradition of last episode, we'll have ten top ten news stories in no particular order. Well, actually, that's a lie. They started in no particular order, and then I went, oh, I'll keep this one to the end. So there's one in order. Mm-hmm. I'll let the listeners decide which one it I is. I think number seven. I'm putting my vote. Number <laughs> seven is the one that's meant to be where it is. <laughs> so after reportedly considering... Uh, number one, considering Mark Wahlberg and Channing Tatum for the lead in the Crow reboot, Relativity Media are now eyeing X-Men First Class's James McAvoy. And I've I just got a little note here before you, you know, if you wanted to wax on about it. I actually don't care. There should never have been any sequels to The Crow and there should definitely not be a remake. So it doesn't matter who they put in it. It's going to be shit hmm. in all its forms. Yeah. So The problem is I like McAvoy. And yeah. So I couldn't give a shit about Channing Tatum. No. So I mean, put him in a movie that I don't care about. Yeah. Let him be destroyed by the uber geeky loyal fan base. Yep. We were never going to see the movie anyway. Now I'm just not going to see a movie with someone that I like. Yeah. And and his whatever credit he's going to get from X Men is going mm. to be and wanted. All done. But yeah, All he's, he's finished. Robert Downey Jr. is unlikely to continue as Iron Man after the second Avengers movie. Quoted in Empire magazine recently, uh, in brackets, recasting would probably be the best thing in the world for me. You know, ego. But sometimes ego just has to be smashed. Let's see what happens. I take the audience very seriously. I feel bad when I see folks doing movies and the audience is like, don't do that anymore. I don't hear, I don't have to overstay my welcome. So this shows a little bit of maturity. Yeah. Um, he has previously mentioned that the only roles he ever gives up have claw marks on the inside of them. But his contract is finished as of Iron Man 2. So he okay. can, oh, Sorry, Iron Man 3. Yeah. So he can renegotiate the fuck out of Avengers 2. Mm. And but Kevin Feuge from Marvel was rather pointed by saying Tony Stark will be back for Avengers 3. Uh, Avengers 2. Mm. Didn't say Robert Downey Jr. will be back yeah. for Avengers 2. So, yeah. Anyway. It's, but it's, it's one of those... Ha- you can't really imagine anyone else in it now. No. But at the same time, we don't want to see him... He probably doesn't want to... Well, obviously he doesn't want to keep doing it. No. But, I mean, he probably doesn't want to be pushed. No. Either, so... I mean, I, was, I did a little quick count. He's played Tony Stark in five movies now, mm-hmm. uh, and that's including the Iron Man 3. Six if you count the cameo at the end of Incredible Hulk. Yeah. So, hang on, is that right? No, six, sorry, five if you count Avengers 2, because it's pretty foregone conclusion he's coming back mm. for Avengers 2, just how much they pay him. So I kind of... But the, the thing is, is there's, there's going to be a tipping point with these movies that I think once we see Avengers 3... I think we should be done for a while. Avengers with that. three, yeah. So what we'll do is we'll have the Iron Man trilogy, yeah, Captain uh, Captain America trilogy, Thor trilogy, yeah, and then the Avengers three movies. Avengers, Avengers two. No, yeah, but I mean, there's going to be an Avengers three. Yes. So, the, so what I'm talking about is oh, an, so, is so a, phase their phase three. Yeah, it? will be so it should culminate with Avengers three, and then that should be. I it. think that should be it for a while. I think they should null in it. Yeah, Batman's. Put a pin in Batman. We'll come back and revisit it, and well, hopefully, some a minimum five, six years mm. time. Um, Unless this whole Justice League. Well, yeah, and we just have to wait to see Matt, what happens at the end of Man of Steel for that. Exactly right. And um, Ryan Reynolds has, has pretty much said he's not interested in reprising Green Lantern at all. I thought the world said that they weren't interested in Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> and I rewatched Green Lantern. I rewatched uh, Green Lantern, and I've got a. I, the only thing I'll say in his favour 
is that he didn't have a whole lot to work with. It was a pretty slapdash thrown together. So I'm I'm curious of what um, what Man of Steel is going to do because yeah. if it if it does big bickies, if it does the right the right sort of money, the right sort of audience, mm. and re- and captures what it really should do, yeah. then we've got Batman and Superman from the Nol- uh, from the Nolan universe um, from well, the DC yeah. world competing with these other ones. A good director with a good script, Green Lantern could work. I'm so good a Wonder Woman script. Well, my, most comics could work well. I mean, that good a good script that hits the right notes. I mean, some some will never, yeah, well, never I, do it. Well, I can never imagine a Hulk. I, I no. find the Hulk, with the exception of the Eric Banner movie, but mm. I liked it for other reasons. I don't think a Black Canary or a or a, a Hawkeye movie mm. could work. I don't think a um, uh, I'm I'm not overly well. I didn't really like the Fantastic Four. I thought that was no. and even as a concept. I think there are just certain characters that will always work. Mm-hmm. And one of those for me personally is, is Daredevil. I really think I think that deserves a better run. And mm-hmm. now that Disney slash Marvel owns Daredevil again. Yes. And Ben Affleck has carved a career as a you know, director. <laughs> so there's that. In flogging a dead horse news, George R. R. Martin and HBO are considering developing a prequel series to the Game of Thrones based on a couple of novellas written by Martin. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> Stop fucking around and finish writing the series. That's George Martin. That, that's it. I mean, he's too old to be tilt- tilting at windmills, which is not the right idiom, but I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Robert Jordan that is the perfect fucking example Exactly of what I said here. If Martin pulls a Robert Jordan, Jordan on everybody and dies before writing the final two books of the series, uh, that was supposed to be a trilogy, mind you. Yeah. I am just going to fucking punch the nearest person I see. I'm just going to punch yeah, them. Yeah, doesn't matter who it yep. is. Just bang. Just bang. Yeah. So, shut so the yeah, fuck So, yeah, so stop wasting fucking time doing other shit. Because he's in his fucking 60s. He's grotesquely, boy. I think he's diabetic. He has not got a lot going for him. He's written like 100 pages of the sixth book. So there's two more to go. Yeah. Six and seven are what? Yeah. Well, presumably, unless he Robert Jordans it and goes, oh, this would actually work as 12 books. Now, I don't... I'm, I'm, I'm picking unnecessarily on Robert Jordan, but... But, I don't it's, think it, it, but it's a... I don't think it was It's a cautionary tale. Well, true. True. I mean, I don't know if Jordan set out to write 12 books or 15 books. F- 14 and ended up... Being. Yeah. I don't know if anyone ever sets out to write that, but... And especially... how... The arrogance of you, if you do... <sighs> That people are going to be on to be interested in that. And here's the thing: if he's and when he does go back to write, because I know he's listening, fucking do something better than that Th- Silverthorn-esque fucking book five that you chucked out at us. It was crap. It was a waste of time as a book. Get yourself a decent editor. You, I know where you are. Stop fucking around. In all sorts of awesome news. Magneto is marrying Professor X. Did you see this? I did. Yeah, Sir Ian McKellen will be officiating at the wedding of Sir Patrick Stewart and his longtime fiance Sonny Ozzel. That's kind of cool. That is. That's just all sorts of awesome. That is. This will be the great. It's the greatest thing in the world. Is Patrick's fiance, Sir Stu- Sir Patrick, is it a woman? Yes. Okay. Did you not know? That I, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't. No. And I'd always sort of had a feeling that maybe Patrick. Could have been, oh, not no, that it would make a fucking difference. No, anything, no, 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 not at all. No, he's 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 all man. He's all down with the down with the ladies. Down with the ladies. 
but they're they're old old friends, and for, and for some for an old friend to be able to, I, I think Ian McKellen is beside himself that yes. he's doing it. He's very very excited. Will he do it as Gandalf? Ah <laughs> uh, no, 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 I don't know. Because you know Magneto would just be a bit cheesy. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> but Gandalf's all class. <laughs> Get off the grey or get off the white. That's what we need to know. Uh, I think. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> the Equalizer reboot film, if you will, of the 1980s TV series adaption with Denzel. All right, all right, okay. Washington may have a director. That's Training Day's Anton Fuqua, who who has worked with Denzel twice before. Yes, most, uh, but. Uh, training Day was the most... Yeah. There wasn't another one between... He didn't do something between them? It's been 12 years since they worked together, so okay. that's Training Day. So so apparently he looks like he's going to do it. I have pretty fond memories of The Equaliser. I remember Edward Woodward. I used to watch the TV show. I liked it. But I don't think it's going to do any good as a film, and I think mm. it's going to basically suck Shaft like the film Shaft did. Yeah, I, I've i never <clears> seen <throat> The Equaliser. No. So... It was, it was kind of cool. It was kind of a cool sort of idea of, of some fucker who had just been such a shitty... Well, not a shitty spy. He'd been a, a super spy. Yeah. Trying to basically go, oh, fuck, it's time to help people. You know, and if you can find him... It's a little bit like the A-Team, except it was one person. Yeah. And he used to... So, and it, he didn't physically... So, so it's the A-Team up. meets My Name is Earl? But, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's copyrighted a couple of pricks, 2013. Greatest idea for a movie ever. <laughs> Deadline Hollywood was reporting that Robert Redford is in talks to join Captain America the Winter Soldier. Uh, his character is apparently to have some sort of senior leadership role in S.H.I.E.L.D. Robert Redford's got some chops. Yeah, I can deal with that. that. That adds a, a bit of gravitas, a bit yeah. of seriousness to it. Possibly could be Sam's boss. Yeah. Anyway, tired of all these motherfucking actors coming into my motherfucking movie. Speaking of that, how, how terrible was that at the Oscars with all of them? I mean, that I know was just we, bad. That was bad. Riddick, the third oh, instalment yes. in the Chronicles of Riddick franchise, has been given a release date of September sixth. Reuniting writer writer director David Tui and Vin Diesel also stars Katie Sackhoff of Battlestar Galactica fame, and Carl Urban of Dread and Star Trek fame. So did he do the second one? Yeah. Okay, so because Pitch Pitch Black. Pitch Black was the first one. And then Chronicles of Riddick, and yeah. then this new one. Yeah. But wasn't the second one shit? It was fucking an abortion. It was a horrible movie. Pitch Black I really liked. It mm. has a special place, because I think it was it was low budget, but it was a really good premise. It was smart. Yeah. So, and it yeah. was tight, and it was, it, it, you know. And I like Vin Diesel. I mean, he's mm. so one-dimensional, but whatever when he does his one-dimensional shit, I like it. When his one dimension is written well, yeah. yeah. I look, I'm going to give. The, obviously, I'm going to give this one a go, but I may end up here in about six months' time trying to justify my my love for that movie. I'm just going to set a a reminder <laughs> for the seventh of September. The ongoing will they won't they drama of the original trio from the Star Wars for the Star Wars movie has heated up again with Harrison Ford recently saying, and I quote, and I'm not going to mumble. <laughs> oh. I think uh, I think it's almost true. I'm looking forward to it. It's not in the bag yet, but I think it's happening. Until I'm sitting in the fucking movies and the end credits roll and whatnot, I'm believing nothing about this movie yeah. until I see it. I, mm. You know, I just but so be it. I mean, he's in his seventies. It's. I mean, Carrie Fisher had that little brain 
fart on Twitter and, and basically said, oh, I mean, I mean, I mean, and then said, oh, maybe I shouldn't tell anybody that. They probably want to do some big whoop-de-doo announcement about it. <laughs> and then came back like a week later and said, hey, no, I'm not confirming at all that I'm in the Star Wars movies. I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, my Twitter was hacked or some shit. Warner Brothers has closed a deal for the screen rights to Bunker Hill, A City, A Siege, A Revolution, which is a book by Nathaniel Philbrick, with a, for a potential directing vehicle of ben, for Ben Affleck. Affleck is looking to reunite with his Argo writer Chris Terrio in making this thing a reality. And for those who don't know, the Battle of Bunker Hill occurred in Boston and is basically the start of the American War of Independence. Fucking Boston people. <laughs> they start everything. They start, and that's that's going to be like the third Boston movie now that Ben Affleck's made. I mean, I know you... Well, I, I think he did try to rewrite Argo to be set in Boston. <laughs> Um, but know. you know then the whole Boston embassy you know, it yeah, just didn't work yeah, yeah. but anyway yeah, like I'm I'm hoping that Ben has truly found his calling in, in life I mean mm. he's got a best picture um, Oscar up his sleeve yeah. yeah he's got a the Golden Globe for best actor I'm pretty did he take a BAFTA out I'm not sure you've got to assume he's already got an Academy Award for screenwriting like I think yeah. he's I think he basically just has to accept that he's a mediocre actor at mm. best, but he can he's got yeah. a good visual style yeah. and, he's, he's and he's good when he's in his own stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I th- yeah. I think he's better directing himself than Absolutely. anyone else has appeared to be able to direct him. You said it a long time ago, you probably weren't the only one to ever say it, but you said a long time ago that Ben the moment you give Ben Affleck a budget, he can't act. Mm. The the size of the budget is inversely proportional <laughs> to his skill as an actor. Yes. And so Possibly with Argo being the, the slight exception, or um, yeah. or the town, but yeah, you're right. If if he's doing his own shit and he's and he's in his own wheelhouse, he, this mm. is in insofar as Boston, he's just staying yeah. where he is. So, admittedly, it's Boston in the 1770s. Sure, sure. If you want to, oh, fuck, you know, talk about tilt. If you really want to go that, you know, do you reckon Connor will make an appearance in the old? Fucking better than. <laughs> so fucking disappointed in that. And finally, yes. Tom Cruise is reportedly in early talks to join Guy Ritchie's film adaption of The Man from UNCLE, or Uncle. This film has been in development hell, so this may not actually amount to much. Apparently, his name is just joining a long list. When Steven Soderbergh was directing, it was George Clooney. Warner Brothers then offered it to Johnny Depp and Matt Damon, then Bradley Cooper, then apparently Channing Tatum. But now with Ritchie at the helm, something might actually happen because he's, he's also there. But why I thought I would mention this one and, and, and uh, of significance is it's interesting to me that this film will be directed and star with two people whose careers have significantly improved since ditching their wives. Uh, Richie's went, life went to shit when he married Madonna mm-hmm. and Tom's career was significantly held back by you know, Nicole Kidman. So, I mean, I think now that they finally... Oh, see, I thought the, you were going to bring the Katie hate. That's like, oh, no, come no, on, no. bro. No, I love Katie. I love me some Katie. But yeah, no, basically got rid of Botox face and, and yeah. that's all over, you know, not that she probably noticed. No. Oh. Anyway, so that's the news. Oh, no, she, she's looking surprised. <laughs> yeah. You can never tell. No, but yeah. yeah, Man From Uncle. Again, I'm, I have no real investment in the show. I've seen probably an episode. Uh, it's never something I've watched. Yeah. But, you know, I'd watch it because it's a Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Do, we, do we know if there's going to be a Sherlock 3? Pretty sure there is. Yeah. When that actually happens. Who knows? I mean, if, if RDJ's running around saving the world mm. as Iron Man, 
yeah, when's he going to get for time to come back and do that? So, there's one news story that happened in the month that we that we were gone that I've sort mm-hmm. of been keeping in the back pocket, just in case you didn't bring it up. Yeah, I'm I'm very surprised. Girls gone wild, has filed for bankruptcy. I was unaware of this. How? Well, not too long ago, I I switched my subscription over to Guys Gone Wild, and that's still going strong. Oh, right. Yep. Sorry. But no. Girls Gone Wild has has gone broke. And has it gone broke, or is it It, just... It's declared bankruptcy, and it's being... Uh, Okay. Interesting. Again, I I kind of assumed it would have been in your news. (laughs) Look, a prodigious porn collection does not a... Porn news. Look, I, I don't have it. I didn't have it anyway. Yeah. Ah. So are we I'm, actually need I'm to take dubi- a little break now. To, I'm uh... dubious though. I'm dubious. Because that that thing just must it was a cash cow. So obviously somebody somewhere has fucked up, hmm. or they've they've basically said, look, let's hide all our assets, declare bankruptcy, and get out of here before you know some senator's daughter who blew six guys on film for us, you know, <laughs> two days before her eighteenth birthday. Yeah, yeah, something like that really fucks and gets us. So anyway, that's that's but a bit. Aren't you we'll, uh, wear our trousers at half mast? And I'm wearing them right now. Should we jump into reviews? I think we should. <laughs> So this week we've got a new movie or newish movie and a classic movie this week. Uh, so I'll kick it off with a new movie, which is Cloud Atlas, written by the Wachowskis and Tom Twyker. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce Tyker, sorry, Tykwer, Tikwa, pick one. <laughs> From the novel written by David Mitchell, directed by the Wachowskis and Tom Pick One, starring Tom Hanks, Halle Berry, Jim Broadbent, Hugo Weaving, Jim Sturgis, Duna Bay. Ben Wishow, James Darcy, the still very lovely Susan Sarandon, and the often times unrecognisable Hugh Grant, who was almost challenging his inner Charlie's Theron's monster in some of those roles. Six stories, six interrelated stories, that take us to the six vastly different settings and transport us through six time periods spanning nearly 500 years. According to law, we have Natalie Portman to thank for this movie. Apparently, it was she she was reading the book, which was written by Mitchell, on the set of V for Vendetta, and gave it the book to Lana Wachowski, who's probably Larry still at that point, two thousand five something along those lines. So thanks to her, and she got a thank you credit at the end of the movie. I've written and rewritten this review a couple of times. Generally, I like to set the scene, introduce the characters, a mise en place, if you will and then tell you how pretty much how the movie ate Manbag or got Get All Ball Massage and tell you how wonderful it is. But this movie is so expansive in scope, so seemingly unrelated to its opening salvo, that I simply cannot find the best way to start. So I turned to my betters, in this instance, David Stratton, and I give you this. Aboard a sailing ship in the Pacific in 1849, a young scientist, Adam Ewing, played by Jim Sturgis, Briffent... Friends, a slave David Stratton wouldn't have started over that. Margaret probably would have interrupted him by now. 
In Edinburgh in 1935, Robert Forbisher, Ben Wishow, works alongside Vivian Ayres, Jim Broadbent, a celebrated composer. In San Francisco in 1973, Louisa Ray, Harry Berry, a journalist, runs into danger when she ex- attempts to expose the machinations of Lloyd Hawks, Hugh Grant, a powerful businessman. In London, 2012, Timothy Cavendish, Broadbent again, a literary editor, finds himself imprisoned in a home for the elderly. In Neo Soul, in 2144, Somni451, Duna Bay, is interrogated by the archivist, or archivist, James Darcy, over her role in a rebellion. And on Big Island, 106 winters after the fall, Zachary, Tom Hanks, a goat herd, and Merinim, Halle Berry and advanced human joint forces. These six stories are intercut with the actors playing multiple roles. And that's about as far as I can go. And since I didn't get that far myself, I've really got nowhere else to go. <laughs> so, technically, this is a beautifully crafted, stunningly shot film that, should you allow yourself to go, takes you on a journey that mightily swings at some of life's big questions. Fans of the Matrix trilogy, specifically the philosophical questions that it raises, can easily see why the Wachowskis were instantly drawn to this film. The acting is brilliant, and when you've got powerhouses like Hanks, Berry and Broadbent, wonderfully supported by Grant, Darcy, Sturgis, with Wachowski muse Hugo Weaving swinging for the fences on every take, you can't help but wonder how anyone could not love this film. And yet many don't. (laughs) And not without some good reason. The start of the film requires your utmost intention. In fact, Broadbent's Timothy Cavendish implores you for your patience, and with any movie that weaves through multiple storylines requires a deftness of touch, which I think this film lacked in a few areas. P.T. Anderson's Magnolia showed us how this is done, and I think this fell over here in a couple of places. There was confusion, and I don't think that could have been avoided. When you see a face as recognisable as Tom Hanks or Halle Berry's, you can't, immediately, you can't help but immediately try and make connections which aren't actually there. Are we looking at a young Tom Hanks? Are we looking at an old Tom Hanks? Is Halle Berry somehow, in 73 somehow related to the Halle Berry in 2144 or 106 days after the big fall? If you can move past that and allow yourself to be in this film, you will see we aren't talking about six separate stories, but we're talking about one to- story told six times. I'll end my review with a quote from the great Roger Ebert. Even as I was watching Cloud Atlas the first time, I knew I would see it again. Now that I've watched it a second time, I know I will see it a third. I no longer believe repeated viewings will solve anything. To borrow Churchill's description of Russia, it is a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. It fascinates in the moment. It's getting from one moment to the next that is tricky. To be honest, that's really all I've got. There's a reason he's a legend, and to me, that perfectly sums up what Cloud Atlas is. Easily one of the most polarising films I've ever seen. People will either love this film, or they will hate this film, or they will simply not understand this film. I loved it, I believe I understood a goodly portion of it, and like a favourite novel, I intend to revisit this movie many, many times. Four stars. I'm fairly conflicted (laughs) with this movie. While parts of it were really clever and well made, and I think the general conceit of the film is interesting and worth exploring, I felt that at times it went between smart, high concept, independent film and pretentious wank fest. <laughs> <laughs> the highlight 
for me of the six stories, if you can if you can take the stories as as individuals, was Jim Broadbent's Man in the Home, mm-hmm. Cavendish. It was an enjoyable, sometimes silly diversion from some of the big ideas that were that were going on in the in the other stories. I felt the weakest one was the the far future, the mm. 106 winter big island, whatever it was. I felt parts of that were fairly derivative of other things, and there were scenes that were lifted straight out of other movies. The most obvious one was the Fellowship of the Ring, mm. and things like that just brought me back out of the film. As you said as well, with the having this the same characters the same actors yep. throughout it sometimes like is that him is that, yeah. is that? I think distracted yep. from the film I understand why they did it yep. but an, un, an unfortunate byproduct of that is it just does draw you out it's exactly of the right. narrative yeah. that was the I think that was the, the, the hardest thing of all to get over hmm. I think there was some really wonderful and inspired art direction mm-hmm. uh, particularly in is it 20 uh, when was the Neo Neo Soul. 2144. 2144. Started to get a little bit over the top mm-hmm. for me with some of it. And there are a few too many parallels between Sonmi 451's story. It seemed a little bit Neo. Yep. Uh, it did keep me captivated. The film did keep me captivated, though. And it, it drew me in. And I think I liked this movie more at the end than I did at the start. Absolutely. It, it, did, it did bring me in. Highlights for me, performance-wise, were Jim Broadbent, particularly as two, in two of his roles, uh, the Tim Cavendish from the from the, the 2012 story, and the composer Vivian Ayres. Mm-hmm. I also also in that story, I really like Ben Winshaw, Wishaw, that we previously saw as Q yes. in Skyfall, and as you've mentioned, Hugh Grant was unrecognisable at yeah. times, but just seemed to be. Loving everything he did. Yeah, I'll put a put a pin in that if I can. Mm. I actually didn't know he was Broadbent's brother until after I'd finished the movie and went back and said, "Okay, now let's have a look at who played who." Oh, went yeah. and went, "Holy fuck!" I I didn't know that until you just said it. And I then I cued back mm. and I went, "How Holy could I not see it?" Yeah, fuck. Yeah, he was astonishing. Mm. Like, yeah. and the reason I guess I mentioned Charlize Theron's monster. Is because Hugh Grant is always Hugh Grant. He's dependable, mm. but he's Hugh Grant. Put him under a layer of makeup where he's not Hugh Grant, and he actually really brought some. Yeah. I, I was really impressed with yeah. that. The weakling, I got to got to say, for me, uh, acting wise, was Tom Hanks. Really, he never. While he in most of them was un Hanks, like you just talked about mm. about Hugh being usually just Hugh. Yep. A lot of the time, Hanks is just Hanks. He is. Yeah. He wasn't in this. But at the same time, he never really grabbed me. His Scottish author in the Broadbent story was just awful. Yeah. Uh, fun. Especially considering he was Irish. That, fun. That, yeah. that, that's how bad it was. <laughs> See, I liked that. Yeah. I actually did yeah. like that. But I, yeah. I, there's a reason. And Please continue. Yeah. Similarly, I felt Halle Berry just just did the job. I don't think she was she bought anything mm. particularly, particularly special to her stories. I like the Wachowskis. I always have. I think Bound is an underrated and mm. underappreciated crime thriller. Nor the smoking hot lesbian sex. Yeah, well, that's know. not that. Well, that that's what gets you through the that's door. That's what that's what gets you. In, that's what opens the door for. And then you, yeah, yeah. But then you stay for Joey Pants. Yeah, that's you know. <laughs> I think yeah, Bound was an underappreciated thriller. The Matrix obviously set them up big, 
but the follow-ups to the mate so the matrix sequels oh, and speed racer yeah. were very much flashy style over substance stories that i think never fulfilled the promise that their first two films showed i think this is a step in the right direction for them i think they need they are they should be applauded for taking on something so incredibly mm-hmm. ambitious but this hits and misses for me as you did at the start i'm going to use a david stratton line yep. to yeah, finish yeah. maybe this is a great film maybe it is an ambitious but deeply flawed film i'm not certain two and a half okay i had to i genuinely had to go to other people because i thought how do i describe this film because every time i would go to describe it i would go well hang on now I, well yeah okay, well, let's talk about tom hanks let's talk about mm. The, all, think, all you can do is say these are what the stories yeah, are. Yeah, that's it. That was it. I think the problem with Tom Hanks and Halle Berry in this particular film is probably indicative of something that you that always going to plague them for their life is that they are so instantly recognisable. Mm. Halle Berry has, still has to be one of the top five most beautiful women in existence. Mm. The same with Jack Nicholson, the same with Pacino, the same with, with um, well, you could say Sir Patrick. With, with mm. the, the, these people are so identifiable that unless they pull a Daniel Day-Lewis and loop and immerse themselves... And now, Daniel Day-Lewis has only been in like seven films. Yeah. His, this, this prodigious career, in inverted commas... He's one film every three years. Yeah, so that... we don't... We don't have, and you you see his. I think it's Hawthorne in Last of the Mohicans mm. compared to Bill the Butcher is, they yeah. they they unless they're prepared to do that. Yeah. Tom's Tom Hanks is so every man looking mm. that he's he's, I mean as you know I've reversed my Tom hate, yeah as much as as much as I'm able. I just think he unfortunately suffers for, for having that face. Having said that, I really I thought for the for a goodly portion of that when he was the old dude collecting the t- poisoning that I I I lost Tom Hanks and I got mm. some old fucker in it. I, initially, when he was putting on the accent, I'm like, oh fuck, you know, it's just Tom Hanks putting on an accent. Mm. And then he did what he did, which was like almost the steam se- the the show ceiling scene. And then back when it, and I thought the the language that you were using and the one the, the pigeon English, yeah, yeah. that. That, because I had to learn that language while they were saying it, mm. really took me away from... And, of course, that was where he was wearing the least makeup, if any at all. Mm. Like, so I really enjoyed this film, and, and as I said, I'm going to watch it again. And again. I've seen it twice now. I will watch it a third time, and probably once every few months I'll watch it again. But I really agree with what you said about the Wachowskis. I think Speed Racer... I don't agree with what you said about the Matrix sequels, but so be it. I think Speed Racer was what, you, all just... You, you don't think they were made? Or you don't think that was style over substance? I think Speed Racer was a shit film. Uh, we could we could argue. Yeah. We could we could do a great bat off about the, the the importance of the Matrix sequels. I will say that Reloaded was disappointing for me, but it, Revolutions more than made up for it. From from my world, well, I also think V for Vendetta could have been better than it was. But mm-hmm. yeah, well, that, that was just could. written by them. They didn't direct. True, but. There's there's a certain that there was a Wachowski ness to it, and they I think they're going to have to I think they're going to have to Quentin Tarantino it I think they're going to have to direct it, write it, and direct it. Yeah, because when they're going to write these words, mm. but they, they wrote Speed Racer as well though. 
Uh, speed rate. Well, see. Or are you saying they can't? They need to direct what they write. I think that's exactly right. And they need yeah. to write what they. Yeah. They they adapt stuff fine. The problem with speed racer, if you if you break speed racer racer down, it's actually not that bad a film. The problem is is that they they made an anime film, and they didn't like Matrix is an anime film, but it was it was so grounded in in pseudo reality that you could relate to it. You couldn't relate to anything in Speed Racer, mm. but as a as a it was just a bit of a gloss. It was like watching a ninety minute music video, mm. and that's hard on anybody. But if you can if you can get away from it, if you can watch it on the computer, you know, in the corner of your eye, and just sort of like get past some of it, it wasn't the worst film mm. they ever did. But I think it's a, bl- a downward blip. I mean, they wrote Assassins too. I mean, we, we, do we really want to hate them for that as well? <laughs> you know, but. Yeah, look, I'm, 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 I, th- I genuinely think to people who are sitting on the fence about this film, they should watch it again. But I understand if people go, that was shit, I can't stand it. I don't think you'll get anything out of it the second time around at all. Yeah, as, and as I said, I didn't hate it, I didn't love it. Yeah. I just, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm torn. Yeah. Maybe in a... Maybe a couple of months yeah, so give it another, give it another shot. when it comes out on Blu-ray or something. Oh, it's like that. going to be good. Yeah, I mean, it was a great transfer that that, uh, awesome. that we had. The old Russian subtitles were a bit. They were, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to go and get the the English subtitles. I forgot to put them on the file. I figured if you wanted to, yeah. just go and find them. But um, yeah, I think not having them there didn't really nah, lose anything. But no, nah. it just translated what was really on the screen. Yeah. But anyway, classic time. Yes, we we need a good classic movie. Theme song. Classic movie, classic movie. Yeah, better than that. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. It's time to let the music. All right, let's go. Quick, All right, before I'll sing again. Very few films can be unequivocally referred to as classics. Citizen Kane, Seven Samurai, Casablanca, to name a few. But astride this list of cinematic heavyweights is The Godfather. Francis Ford Coppola's 1972 film of Mario Puzo's novel of the same name. This is a film that continually makes critics lists of the top movies of all time. I came to The Godfather quite late. I only saw it for the first time maybe six or seven years ago, but it immediately resonated me. I've been, and I think we've both been, I don't think there's an issue with speaking for you here, a big fan of the gangster genre for a long time Goodfellas is one of my favourite films The Sopranos is one of the best TV shows ever made and in the same way that every fantasy novel or movie is in some way derivative of Tolkien every gangster movie every gangster mafia TV show has the godfather in its blood a lot of the mafia tropes that we associate with with the mafia come from this come from this film. They can be traced directly back. It's it's the granddaddy of all of all gangster films. A large part of this zeitgeist, I guess, to be a complete tool bag about it, is down to Puzo's story. Mm-hmm. He co wrote the screenplay from his book with uh, with Coppola and won the Oscar for the best best adapted screenplay. It is a rich and layered story but has a feel of of authenticity the characterization the the way that everything is portrayed it 
feels organic and it feels and it feels natural. I'm not going to go into the details of the story. If you haven't seen The Godfather by now, you really should go go into it fresh or as fresh as you can be for a film that's been out for 40 years. Mm. 40 years. Yeah. The thing that makes this film so special, though, are its performers. Brando, in one of his last great performances, and I guess the 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 peak of the second half of his of his career just shows why he was one of the most vital mm-hmm. actors of his generation it makes me want to go back and watch on the waterfront you know the classic 50s yep. young powerful brando and and do yourself a favor and watch last tango in paris yeah. as as well to just mm. remind yourself and I'd say this not to yes. you to to our listeners Remind yourself of where this this giant of a man. Mm. Don't, don't watch Doctor Island of Doctor Moreau. Oh. Go back because that's to, just a giant man. Yes, go back to when he was powerful. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Um, no, but I completely completely agree. He he was one of the greatest actors, if not the greatest actor of his generation. And The Godfather, as a, as a late in life role, really really highlights why. On the flip side of this, this was. Pacino's first great performance. This was the role that really made him made him something. It's interesting watching this film now and being so used to the bombastic hoo-hah yep. Pacino that we all know and uh, somewhat... That we all know. That we all know. How restrained he can be as Michael at the beginning of this film. But interestingly, I, I liked... As he became more, as Michael became more involved in the business, and he became more powerful and mm. and into himself, you could see the Pacino ness actually creep into his performance mm. of Michael. Which, yeah, again, that's uh, yeah, that's Pacino. Yeah, uh, Robert Duvall is also fantastic as Tom Hagen. If there is a weak point, it's probably James Caan's Sonny, okay. who. He's probably a bit more over the top than I think he really needed to be. Maybe he was just, you know, hadn't beaten up on his wife for a little while. You know, well, this was pre. This, this was pre troubles. Okay, but yeah. Uh, the true star of this show, though, for me, is Coppola's direction. It is an assured study of filmmaking, measured and not afraid to take its time to get somewhere. Most modern filmmakers, I don't think, would take the time to let the movie tell its story. There is a lot of times in this film where not a whole lot seems to be happening. It's, and I think we, we talked about it when we discussed uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. It felt like an old movie because it wasn't always rushed. It wasn't frenetic. It let things sit. And while the movie is at times slow, it doesn't drag because of it. It's just, I think it's quiet more than slow is probably a better better way to put it. This film is revered as a classic, and I think deservedly so. Wonderful script, great performances, and fantastic direction all combine in a perfect storm to make a, a truly exceptional film. Next episode, we're going to try and do Godfather 2, mm-hmm. which, I have to admit, is on my list of shame. I haven't seen Godfather oh, 2. Okay. So I'm really looking forward to watching that. Well, you're in for a revelation. Mm. But for now, Margaret? <laughs> I actually saw these movies in reverse probably about 15 odd years ago. I saw three, two, then one. 
and then have in the various periods of my life watched one immediately followed by two. In fact, the other night when I watched it, not putting on two straight away was was a bit of a, a, a it's like oh fuck it's twelve thirty I've got to go to bed I'm working tomorrow <laughs> I can't just watch two straight away yeah. is it's it is such a great film and you're right about all the tropes that we've come to understand about the mafia the omerta uh, the the whole whole kit and caboodle and everything that we do love about it the the, the Brandoisms the the you know the I mean. Make him an offer that you can't refuse is number four, I think, on the list of greatest movie mm. lines of all time. Jack Nicholson famously said about when Marlon Brando died, "We have all now just moved up one place." So when so that's I mean then that's coming from a great mm. about a great. It is a shame that Brando's career took the turn it did not long after this film, um, because as we've mentioned and we don't need to go over it, some of his better performances are. This, I would say this is the peak this and Last Tango were the peak of his that's it mm. and after that he pretty much didn't do much worth, uh, worth watching even his turn as Jor-El I think he got over got into his head a little bit mm. Who do you, what do you say what do you know you're right about Pacino I mean he's, he's really for me the descent of Pacino from the idealistic I want nothing to do in Brando and, and uh, Vito Corleone is saying I, I never wanted mm. this life for you this was never your life his descent from war hero to cold-blooded murderer, yeah. and when he and when he when he stares Diane Keaton in the eye and says, "This one time you can ask me about my business," and lies to her face, yeah. and then of course you have that 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 final scene, that chilling scene where they Godfather, Godfather, close mm. the door. Coppola's cut. You talk about took its while to get where it did and, and no you're right at no point in this film did it drag but it's interesting to note that Coppola's cut was about 50 minutes shorter when he first put it in and the studio went back and said no we want more we want more of the family scenes we want more of this we want more of that so Coppola came back basically and let a stallion have its reins and and, mm. and took off from there which I thought was yeah, like good the wedding it's like the wedding that opens the film mm. is half an hour yeah, it's and, and it's and notice that they spend a lot of time eating and and other stuff yeah. like that. It was, it was really trying yeah, to push and the that singing culture. Time, yeah, it it, it it used the time to just immerse you into the family. Yes, which is part. exactly exactly what they wanted, and that's I think what they always wanted to try and get across about. The, well, there's Henry Hill slash Ray Liotta's famous line from Goodfellas, where he says that that's the one thing that the FBI never understood is that this was. This was that we offered protection to those who couldn't go to the police, but this family, this concept of, of being together, that you never and, the famous line, never go against the family, you know, never go against the family, and which kind of segues unintentionally nicely into the biggest critique I have of this film, and it's not of the film itself, but it's of the genre that has this film has been so parodied and and to the point now where it's i watched it watched it again recently and it's to the point where it's it's almost farcical when don Corleone so so don Corleone so very casually now it's quite chilling when it first happens but ever so casually reaches his hand out to as tom hagen hands him things says i'm about to make him an offer he can't refuse 
Now, it's been said a couple of times in the movie already, mm. and we know what that actually means because of the, how it was described before. Either your brains or your signature is going to be on yeah. this contract. But it's when he says it, you, I, I could imagine being in a theatre and everyone laughing. Not because it's funny, but because, but because it's been so, so parodied and so overused. I mean, yeah. fucking Dolmio, the spaghetti sauce and whatnot, all make a, you know, they all make jokes about this. It's been so parodied. The horse head in the bed, the, the, he swims with the fishes. It's now, it's like, oh, for fuck's sake, you know, mm. but it's, it's nothing to do with this film. Yeah. I mean, it's number two film on pretty much everyone's all time list, followed yeah. by Citizen, oh, I'm sorry, straight after Citizen Kane. Mm. But it kept taking me out, unfortunately. Be- because of, of how how everything is so yeah. known now. Yeah, but and, and but and not and not, dis- but even, I mean even Sopranos, kind of disrespects it with mm. with Cell every time they think I'm out, they pull me back. Oh, I love that guy and all that. Yeah. But then if you watch, I mean, and the subtleties from from Sopranos. See, Sopranos is a beautiful homage. I mean, they, bada bing. That comes from Sonny Corleone saying "bada bing," which was an ad lib line from James Caan. It's just so ingrained in our culture that when you go back, and it's, it's, you get it when you watch things like Wizard of Oz. When you because I've recently watched Wizard of Oz with the kids, mm-hmm. it's unfortunately it's been oft parodied, which should not deter people. I think from seeing this film, mm-hmm. it's a brilliant film. It's a magnificent film, and if you have the opportunity to watch the Coppola restoration, mm-hmm. which is has cleaned up the film stock has Coppola's commentary, it's well worth nice. it. Well, which we will talk about Godfather Part 2 in our next episode. Yes. Um, yeah, since you haven't seen it, I'm, I'm really excited to hear what you've got to say because I've seen it quite a few times. Yeah. And it's uh, yeah. three, not so much. Yeah. But, but I think we need to do three of just course. for completeness, even, yeah. even though it's, you know, a lot of people don't consider yeah. it a classic. No. Some people don't even consider it at all. But yeah, <laughs> consider it's a paycheck. The, the only probably the only thing I disagree with you is I think Sonny Corleone I think James Khan was perfect that was pitch that was a pitch perfect role for him mm. I just really really got off it and did you recall the the shit we should not see from Hollywood Babylon where the they they the fight where Sonny beats up Carlo oh when he's just complete like he's a mile away when he's <laughs> that I must admit I started laughing again I probably would never have noticed it yeah apparently it took four days to film that really yeah there you go and James Khan did not like. Uh, Russo, Gian, Gianni Russo. So there might have been a few hits that actually got in there. So there you go. Oh, you talk about it being parodied mm. a lot. One of my favourite... I mean, The Simpsons parody it yeah. a lot. My favourite one is... You remember the Troy McClure episode where he's... Uh, where he marries Selma, or is going to marry Selma? And they're talking about his, uh, his little fish fetishes. Oh, OK. No. No, I don't. The, the two gangsters... Uh, Drawing cool fox fish. Okay, let's just get that. Spoiler alert: the, the two gangster guys, the that you know work with big Fat Tony with Fat Tony, they see Troy McClure walking along. Hey, I thought you said he was dead. No, I said he sleeps with the fishes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's and. I mean that's hilarious because you go ah, oh, but then yeah. For me, when I went back and watched when you the hear movie, it, that's yeah. like because oh. it's it's and you can hear it. It's supposed to be chilling in the movie, and yeah. it is if you mm. think about it for a second. That means if, it. if you can take yourself out yeah. of, but yeah, anyway. it being in the world for forty years. As as my um, as my wife said though, how about Carlo? 
how fucking stupid would you be that you beat up a gangster, a, a Don's daughter? Yeah. doesn't matter that you're married to her. Yeah. As Richie Aprio says, you put your well, last you name on her. Do whatever you are. <laughs> until you put your name on her, you don't touch her. Anyway, so be it. Yes. A little bit of interesting trivia. Yeah. Mario Puzzo never spoke Italian. No, he was born in the Bronx. Yeah, never, never, yeah. never spoke Italian. You, you assume he was mobbed up. You assumed he was old yeah, school. Yeah, and uh, Don Corleone is incorrect because Don is Don is like uncle, mm. and and so it should have actually just been Don Vito, right. but he made it up. Said oh, it sounded better, so that's why they've all been called Don. Blah 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 blah. But you know, yes, you are a mafia Don, but yes. it should be. But it should be your first name. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like saying Uncle Uncle Vito. Mm. Anyway, so be it. Great movie. Yes. Check it out. That's us. I think that's us for yeah. for this. We'll. Uh, Got in there and uh, in good time. Nice tight, nice tight. Yeah, hour. Well, now that it's legal, you yeah, need get in there nice and tight. tight. We'll uh, we'll attempt to be a bit more, a bit more timely. Yeah, well, we, we, next we're time going to try and see Haruki. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Going to try um, and see that and uh, and Godfather Two for yeah. next episode. Until then, until then, I'm um, Nate. I'm Woody. Where a, a couple of pricks.